0: Welcome back to the Present Fathers Podcast. This is a very special episode with someone who has played a humongous influence on the podcast, Dr. Meg Meeker. Dr. Meg Meeker is a pediatrician who has worked with thousands of children and through her work with children, started picking up on some alarming trends as it relates to the role of a father. She has devoted much of her professional life into helping men understand how to be better fathers for their families. This episode is going to be extremely powerful for you because she gives targeted advice for men to deal with the issues of today and practical advice that you can apply into your lives to make a bigger impact on your children. She has a lot of encouragement for men and her and shares some of her personal experiences and how her own father played a massive role in her life. I am beyond excited to share this episode with you because she is someone who has played such a big influence on me personally as well as the other men of the podcast. And we hope that this episode Also inspires you to show up as a better father. Before you begin the episode, I highly recommend you look into her books. Two that really stand out and have played a massive impact on me are first, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. And the second book is the book called Hero by Meg Meeker. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. I'm really excited, and you're going to love this one. Dr. Meg Meeker, welcome to the Present Fathers Podcast. We are absolutely thrilled to have you today and very excited to speak with you. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks so much for inviting me.
0: Yes. Uh, so our whole podcast read Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters, and Hero. Both were really impactful for us as we were just getting started, not just for doing the podcast, but to become better dads straight up and uh, really lit a fire in us to to really lean into what we're doing with this. So it's, it's an honor to have you here, you know, about a year after that happened mm-hmm. to kind of tie the knot and move it forward. So can we start with In the book you talk about how your dad played a massive role in you kind of finding your own courage to kind of step out and do what uh, you believe you're meant to do and i think that'd be a beautiful way to start this episode is the role that he played and kind of giving you that inspiration and if you could kind of just tell the audience a little bit about how that shaped your whole life really
1: sure you bet um first of all i want to preface it by saying Men who read the father-daughter book assume my dad was a great, perfect, wonderful dad. He was a good dad. He was a great dad. He had his problems. And so I just want to encourage every dad out there who listens to me going, wow, your dad must have been had a PhD in psychology. He didn't. But he was really great where it mattered. When I was 16, I decided I was going to go to medical school. That was it. You know, I got the bug and from 16 to basically um, 21, I just studied my heart out at school and I I just was so focused on getting to medical school. My senior year in um, college, I applied to probably 20, 25 medical schools and I got rejection letter after rejection letter and um, from the medical schools. And the final rejection letter came in. And at 25, 21, I thought my life is over. I mean, I don't have a plan B. This is all I wanted. What's going to happen? So I went to live at home uh, for a year. And I remember walking in the house, walking by my father's study, and I overheard him on the phone. And he was a very quiet man, wasn't on the phone much. And I heard him say my name. So I stopped in front of the door. And I heard him say a sentence that changed my life one sentence out of my father's mouth changed my life and I heard him say to whoever was on the phone yes my daughter Meg will be going to medical school in the next couple of years in that moment I knew I was going to go in that moment because my dad said so when I heard the tone of his voice the inflection the way he was talking to his friend he believed in me so much when I didn't believe in myself. My mother would say, oh, don't worry, honey, you'll get in, you'll get in, you'll get in. And I love my mother. It's not that I wasn't, you know, listening to what she was saying, but I thought, oh, my mom's got to say that. So maybe she's right. Maybe she's wrong. But when your father says something like my father did, Boom it changed. And I knew in that moment, I would get there. And so I just fired up again. And sure enough, a, a year later, I, I went. And I, you know, it was just a pivotal moment in my life. And I think it's so beautiful and poignant that it was just one sentence that my father said. And a couple of years after that, I recounted that incident. He didn't remember saying that. Isn't that interesting? So he just spoke and out of what he was speaking, changed my life. And yet he was just speaking, you know, very naturally about what he believed and thought.
0: That's such a great example. And, um, just a quick follow-up to that, you know, so obviously you've you've been a, I don't want to misquote it, pediatric psychiatrist or psychologist.
1: I'm just a pediatrician. Oh, pediatrician.
0: (laughs) Okay. And so you've worked with thousands of kids, right?
1: Yes. Yes. So it's funny. People think I'm All sorts of things I'm not, but I'm a pediatrician. (laughs) So (laughs) I take care of kids from zero to really about 21. I do a lot of behavioral pediatrics where I, I work on relationships with kids and their parents because I work with a lot of teenagers. And if you work with teenagers and you're really interested in helping parents and their kids, you have to learn psychology. And so I learned it by listening literally to thousands of kids and their parents. So I'm one of those safe people, you know, people who come and talk to me. No, I'm not a counselor. So it's okay to just come mm, see okay. a doctor, you know, and I'm not a psychiatrist, but I've been doing this a long time. And I've learned just through my pediatric practice.
0: Okay. Sorry, sorry to okay. misquote that there. Thanks no, for clearing no, it no up. Problem. My my real question was, so what exactly inspired you to dedicate so much of your professional life to men? You know, when I, when I first looked into that and, and why it was such a big passion for you is a little, um, rare, I guess you could say, cause it just doesn't seem like many women would make that such a big portion of their life's work. So I'm just very curious on what was that driving factor for you and what do you think that through your work is kind of the, the outcomes that we can all kind of work towards together?
1: Well, I certainly never asked for it. I know it was God because it just got dropped in my lap, literally just dropped. I've written seven books. Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters for me was my heart. And it just is extremely popular globally. It's in a a number of different languages. But I I wrote the book because um, as a pediatrician, I was seeing a lot of kids in my practice, particularly in the early 2000s girls particular who are being really sexualized by our culture. And they were having all sorts of problems and, and, and parents weren't able to deal with them. But one thing I saw was this, that girls who had a father involved, not a great dad, but just a dad who was there, he was involved, good guy. They did so much better through their teen years than girls who didn't have a dad. And but what was happening in our culture at the same time was the beginning of, or the amping up of the anti-man movement. And I was very upset because if you turned on the television, you saw a dad portrayed in the media, you know, they were dumb. They were the butt of everybody's jokes. Um, they were really demeaned. And I thought, wait a minute, you know, in real life, these are the guys that we need to help their kids, particularly your daughters, out of trouble out of trouble if they're in trouble, and keep them out of trouble if they're not in trouble yet. So I thought, this this is not okay. So I decided that I was going to write a book about great dads, and that I would write a book that never criticized a father that gave examples of good dads, starting with my own dad and my husband, we have three daughters and a son. And so I really, I wrote it because I wanted dads to know the truth and I wanted to them to know the power that they really have in their kids' lives. And I would say, I think 99% of dads haven't a clue how much power they hold because no one tells them. And, um, and certainly they're told they're not even needed. You know, women will say, we don't need yep. a man to have a baby. We're just going to have this baby. And so, that's really why I did what I did. And it hit a nerve. I was really pretty surprised. But I will say there's one other woman, Michelle um, Canfield, that I know of in the country who champions fathers. It's remarkable that more women aren't doing it.
0: Yeah, i what you were just describing there was definitely my personal reaction to reading strong Fathers, strong daughters was just how with with all the examples right very visceral examples real life examples that you give over and over and over and same with hero right all all Mm -hmm. so if you have sons too that's a great book um just feeling that as i read i'm like whoa these little things i do really make a difference and i hadn't really pondered how much of a difference they'd made until i read it in the book and so i don't want to give the whole book away definitely go Mm -hmm. pick it up for yourself but what you were just describing there is I think all of us here had that exact reaction. Um, Wonderful. so I think Brandon has a follow-on question for you.
2: Yeah. I, I love the story that you, you tell about your dad talking about you, uh, on the phone and you overhearing it because you know what it requires for him to do that is he has to have hopes and dreams for you. Right. And one of the things that you've mentioned uh, many times before is making sure that fathers, uh, create hopes and dreams for their children, because we're, we're the ones that best see the capabilities of our children. Right. And so let's, let's dive into that a little bit. Let's talk about how can dads help create hopes and dreams for their children and then, you know, bring it into action. Cause I know there's a couple of questions that you usually ask uh, to spur those things um, that kids feel internally.
1: Yeah. Well, one of the things I tried to do in the book was allow dads to see themselves through their daughter's eyes which is a very different perspective on how you see yourself. You know, dads are told, well, do this and do this and do this. But really, you don't know what to do until you can really sit behind your daughter's eyes and see you as she sees you. It's very important for fathers to believe in their daughters and their sons. I mean, we really could include sons here as well. Because if you don't believe in them as a gift to you, that they can succeed, that they are somebody. If you don't believe that in your heart, don't say anything because kids know when you're faking it. If you go out and you say, oh, you can be great. Oh, you can be great. And they know they can't. They think you're a liar. So <clears throat> what convinced me that day was that my dad, I heard his belief in me. So a father first needs to believe in his kids, his his their ability to be the good person God meant them to be. They are a gift mm-hmm. that God has given them. They are capable Absolutely. of they're here for a reason. And a good dad's job is to help those kids find the reason. And the reason isn't necessarily to get straight A's or to be, you know, an elite soccer player or whatever. The reason is to be a great person who can serve other people well to have strong character and so if a father starts there i i can see my daughter i've studied my daughter i i see that she's a courageous person i believe she can develop that courage and i'm going to help her do that and so if you don't have those beliefs that can grow moving forward she'll never grab on to anything cuz kids don't want to grab on to anything that's fake or that's contrived or that's sort of a a, a, a pat cliche, you know, oh, you can be president when you grow up. Well, most kids can't be president if you do what you even want them to be. But but, you know, to, sort to of say I'm your father and this is where I know you can land. My job is to help get you there. So that's how you express your d- dreams and your wishes. And they're different for every father for his child.
2: Yeah. And, and for me, it- I see it as a privilege to be their, their, their parent. Right. And so every day I have to give them my best. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I always dive into is that, and I remind myself of this on a daily basis is how I react to them either dims their light or it brings the best light out of them. Right. And so I know that I'm one of those people that foundationally help create the inner monologue in their head. Right. And so I know it's so crucial for us dads to be, not just present physically, but emotionally, and be intelligent enough to look into what we say. They watch everything, right? Oh, they yeah. see our movements, our body language. They they see how we act more than they see how we speak. And so, man, that's just such a crucial thing. So, what are some questions that you think um, dads can ask? about their children that would kind of help create that 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 game plan that monologue because one of the things i remember you saying was am i capable am i smart or am i dumb or am i stupid you know you kind of had these these contrasting uh, questions that kids often ask about their mm-hmm. their parents
1: i believe that was in the chapter i could be wrong but teacher teacher to fight because the war is in her mind you know the war is in her mind of not believing anything good about herself the father and the father alone has that power to change those thoughts. So what I would ask um, frequently of your daughter, particularly as they come in the pre pubertal years is, um, you know, what do you think about, um, you know, how kids behave? What do you think about girls who dress that way? What do you how do you feel when so and so says something to this? So ask them questions, probing You know, how does that make you feel? What do you think about um, this? Ask her opinion of things. And if you just ask some general questions, asking her opinion, um, asking if she'll do things with you, that's a huge boost to her self-esteem. Letting her know you want her company. You know, girls don't feel like anybody really wants to be with them, but when dad says, hey, I'm gonna go change the oil in my car Saturday morning, will you just come along with me? I haven't seen you in a while. And then, you know, in in those moments, just, hey, how has school been this week? What was good that happened to you this week? Tell me one thing that was really hard for you this week. And so talk to them on an emotional level. Don't just say, you know, what were your grades? And how did geography go? And how did your math test go? I mean, that's fine. You want to show interest, but you want to dig a little bit deeper. And, you know, how did it feel when, you know, your best friend refused to talk to you and went off with some other friends? Girls can be brutal, you know, in in middle school and junior high. And to sort of see what she's going through and then just dive into that and ask very, very simple questions. How did that make you feel? What did you see? What do you think about? Um, Boy, they'll open up and they'll start talking and they won't stop. If you listen, if you ask a question and sit there and listen, don't ask a question to teach your daughter something. Ask a question to understand her. And mothers often ask a question to teach our kids something. We ask a question with the answer in mind, which is the correct answer, which is ours. So as our daughter is answering, we formulate our response to her answer to correct her. And that's one of the things I found dads don't do as often as mothers. So when you ask a question, listen and follow up and just listen. If you want to get your daughter to talk, just just start listening to her. <clears throat>
2: That's, that's so beautiful because what you're doing is you're getting to the intent and the heart of what matters to her. And then you're, you're embracing and you're, you're, you're fostering the growth within that. So I think that's beautiful. Now, Dustin, I think had something to follow up there. So
3: yeah so Dr. Meeker, my dad wasn't around, so i didn't necessarily have that model to show me what those conversations would be like, mm-hmm. how to open up like that. My mom was wonderful about it, but i didn't have that um, that dad around to do it. What advice would you have to fathers like myself who did not have their father around to learn how to have those conversations
1: well, that's a great question because there are a whole lot of dads out there that didn't have a dad. First of all, I would study the character of Jesus and the character of father God. And you can create a mental image of how you as a father are to talk and to walk and to touch and to be with her as far as figuring out what to say and how to communicate with your daughter, study her, you know, who does she talk to? What does she like to do on the weekends? What does she not like to do? Um, what do you think she's struggling with? What do you think she's not struggling with? And one of the best ways to really start getting through to your daughter and and, and nurture a good relationship, find what she likes to do and then go do it with her. You know, dads will often say, I want to spend a lot of time with my daughter. And I, great, great. So I take her fishing and I take her golfing. Well, that's great, you know, but find out what she would like to do. Don't just drag her into your world. Find what's happening a little bit in her world and jump in there and say, you know what, honey, I know you love going to the movies. Why don't you and I go to a movie, you know, Friday night or, you know, I love having breakfast. and I know you eat, but why don't we on Saturday mornings just go out and have breakfast? You start with the very simple things and you study her. And if you're intent on figuring out what she likes and doesn't like, you'll figure it out within a week.
0: All those suggestions also work uh, for your wife too, guys. Yes, so.
1: They do. She was a daughter. <laughs> Study your wife. Yep, yep. Study your wife. Yep. And it's not that hard. I mean, everybody says that girls are a mystery. I guess they are. Sometimes you just ask. You know, um, I know that girl, daughters, and mother, and your wives always want you to be able to read their minds, and you can't. And I remind women all the time, your dad doesn't know what you want from him. So you have to say what you want. If you need him to say, I love you say, dad, I just need you to hug me. Dad. I just need you to hear. I love you because he loves you, but often it comes out sideways. And so he, he doesn't know how to get it through to you. So tell him, you know, and kids will do that. You know, young girls Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and it makes them feel good that they, they can sort of say that to their dads. Cause most dads are pretty receptive. They're like, Oh, thank you. You know,
3: I like it. That makes a lot of sense. Study uh study. So in my case, I have a son, he's four years old mm-hmm. and I see that all the time. I'll try to have him jump into activities yeah. and he's really not that into him. I'll make him do it for a little while just to make sure. And then I'll realize mm-hmm. this is really not his thing. So it is <laughs> yeah. my intent.
1: And that's okay. Uh, you know, you know just being with him. He Yeah. Yeah.
3: Definitely. And if anything, it's better. I don't want him to be a carbon copy of me because I won't learn anything. I think it's a right. nice opportunity if he's different for me to to learn more about him. So right. if we can transition to boys a little sure. bit. Uh, again, I have a four year old. I'm looking at the future of what education and work is going to look like for him over the past 10 years. I'm sure you've seen it girls are crushing boys in every measure, academics, uh, work, all of that, Um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But I'm curious if you think you understand why we're seeing that trend occurring and what I can do as a father for my son to help him buck that trend and not be that typical uh, boy that we're seeing that's that's falling behind his female peers.
1: Right. Um, Years ago, I wrote a book called Boys Should Be Boys, and I'd probably um, be black, bald if I wrote that again with that title. Um, but he, but here's the problem. You know, you're right. Girls are excelling because they've been pushed to excel. They've been pushed into STEM. Um, there also is a um, early elementary school and middle elementary school bias towards girls. Okay. Girls sit there they color in the lines, they say yes, they say no, they don't jump up and spit spitballs at people. Um, you know, they're not bouncy, and they're not shooting pencils at people. And, and the problem is, boys are much more likely to get labeled as something very early on. If I had a quarter for every third, second, fourth grade boy that comes into my office with a note from his teacher saying... I really think he has ADHD, um, I, I would be a very wealthy person. So first of all, boys in the early school years are working in a system that is not helping them. It's hurting them. A lot of the early elementary school teachers are women and they don't like when boys are giving them a hard time. Um, and so so educationally, they're sort of primed to fall behind. After that, I really believe girls are given a lot of attention. They're pushed hard. I think they're pushed harder than a lot of boys are. Boys are getting very mixed messages about what masculinity is all about and what being a boy is all about. It's almost they're almost trained, um, at least in public schools, to feel bad if they're a, a boy who likes to shoot targets. I mean, if you like to shoot targets or skeet or hunt with your dad, you don't tell anybody because you're ashamed of who you are. And so I think psychologically, boys, there's a lot working against boys. Boys are being shamed early on. And I think what happens is their self-esteem goes down and they don't believe that they can perform as well as their female counterparts. Boys typically read later than girls do. Um, And so early on, they feel like they're behind. Um, And then again, I think I'd like to see a study on how often are boys called on in class versus girls. I'll guarantee you girls are called on much more frequently. And so I think that that mindset follows them into junior high and then in high school I re- it's not an intelligence issue. It's not, it's a psychological uh, manipulation of what's going on in their environment where they're getting messages that, you know, maybe they can, and maybe they not. They, you know, if they're a little bouncy, they're a pain to people and they, they need medication. You know, if they like to shoot and they like to pretend they're hunting bears, well, just don't talk about it. Um, you know, on the other side, if they have more feminine character qualities, By all means, talk about that. You know, that's terrific. So they're they're floating in no man's land and no one's teaching them how to be a strong masculine boy who likes himself, who's smart and is going to just, you know, run with things and run with life and feel good about who he is. So I, I really don't think it's an academic issue or an intellectual issue. I think it's a social and psychological issue.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point across the board you were making there um i'm just even my own experience uh and i was a really good student right 4.0 like worked really hard turning you know i was in detention all the time sweeping rocks after school all the time i got suspended once like yeah. we're, boys are just wired different like, are, so i was boys, still getting straight a's and still getting in trouble all the you time
1: know, my- <laughs> Husband, who's my medical partner, we 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 started a practice together. You know, when he was in early elementary school, the teacher would punish him and put him in the hall and he'd run home. And the, his dad would haul him back, and the crazy teacher next day put him in the hall, he'd run away. You know, that's what boys do. You know, but we don't tolerate that. We don't tolerate the antics of boys. One of the biggest mistakes a teacher will make is they want to punish a boy, they make him stay in for recess. Are you yeah. kidding me? That's the word. Get a tree, a big tree, put it on the playground and let them climb up and down it. You know, let them work that yeah. energy out. So if they fall, you know, they're going to break their arm. Oh, well, you know, m- move on. Let them be who they are. And as much as we say, oh, we want to champion who our kids are and help them be their true selves. We don't do that. We don't do that. With boys who who are getting in trouble and they're throwing rocks and doing things that are almost illegal, we don't go, Oh, you're just ridiculous. You're so silly. We, We really come down hard on them for being a masculine boy. And that's really not right.
3: It's amazing. When my son is physically exhausted, he pays incredible attention to me. He yes. listens the best when he's drenched in sweat and can barely <laughs> breathe. Exactly. It's amazing. He's tired. He pays attention. Yeah.
1: You know, one of the best things and studies bear this out that a dad can do with his son and with his kids is wrestle, you know, physically exhaust that kid. Boys bond with their dads through physical play and contact. Now, your wife will get furious because you're not helping out, but you're off out playing with the kids. Play with them, exhaust them, run them around the house, chop wood with them, because that's really how you bond with them and get through to them and how they learn to really connect with you.
0: It's such Did- a beautiful point. And my quick follow up to you said it's not an academic issue. It's not a it's a psychological issue you think so tactically you know we we want to help change this trend right with this with this podcast and equipping men to do differently um what are your top recommendations then for in the day-to-day men need to be aware of and kind of stand up and and you know fight back against the the trend
1: yeah well listen to your gut i mean i think that most men the overwhelming majority of good men Don't follow their gut. They they sort of allow it to be blocked by, well, I don't think I should say that. And I don't think, and my wife doesn't like firearms, even though my son is picking up a stick and shooting at imaginary things in the front yard. Um, You know, go out to him and say, hey, great. What are you shooting? What are you doing? So if you see a masculine, traditionally masculine character quality in your son arising, um, encourage it. Tell him it's wonderful. The same thing in yourself. If you find that you have a 13-year-old daughter and she's going into school in clothes that you think are very inappropriate, even though your wife says, no, that's the way all girls dress, stop her. Don't let her go to school in clothes like that. You know, your gut says, no, that's not okay, then act on that. You know, if your gut says, it's really fine for my son to be doing this, it's fine for my son to take a risk. We are so risk averse as parents. We don't want our kids to get hurt or have anybody say anything bad to them, whatever. But we need to let our sons and our daughters take some risks. And dads are pretty good at that because they've taken risks, right? Would you say you used to throw rocks all over? You know, know, act on your own instincts. And if they're masculine, wonderful. If you see them in your son, wonderful. And if you see some strength in your daughter, champion it and help her run with it but don't hold back and, and dampen down what you're going to say because you feel someone's not going to like it. Who cares?
3: Yeah. And Dr. Really? Meeker, I'm sure you're familiar with the, uh, yeah, no, it, I'm sure you're familiar with the biology behind this. Uh, when a woman has a child, her amygdala, the fear center triples in size yeah. and it never shrinks, right? Exactly. So you're always going to be as nervous about your 60 year old daughter when you're 80 as you were um, you know, when she was just born. And Absolutely. of course the man's amygdala, doesn't change in size <laughs> at all right so it's like <laughs> it's like nature designed the man to it, be a little bit riskier and let our kids take chances right
1: Ab- <laughs> abs- absolutely yeah. right and i will tell you studies show that you know kids need that's why kids need a mom and a dad they need they they need the feminine mm-hmm. they need the masculine of course they're they're very different in there absolutely but but as mothers we tend to be very overprotective I was. I gave my kids so many illnesses when they were little. I mean, I ran so many tests on them. My pediatrician threatened to kick me out of his practice. My husband, <laughs> who's a pediatrician too, never did that. He, oh, they're fine. They're fine. You know, my son walked around with a broken leg for two days before my husband said, I think something might be wrong there. And um, And so, you know, it's good to to allow your kids to get dirty, to take risks and to just figure out life and let them fail because failure is what really makes leaders. Leaders don't, aren't, aren't born through um, all success. Most are born through tremendous failures.
0: Definitely. And just a quick point to men again, uh, you know, don't just downplay your wife's uh, read on a situation it's usually a very good barometer there's been multiple times where I'm like ah no no, it's fine it's fine and I think about it for a minute and I'm like I think my wife's right on this and yeah. lo and behold she was 100% on so it's yeah. you know it's okay to defer it <laughs> yeah. is okay but to defer her and- sense is strong on purpose it's a exactly. survival instinct don't just yep. discount it
1: yep
0: hey there we hope you're enjoying this episode of the present father's podcast Our mission is to reach as many men as possible and equip them to be excellent family leaders. We believe that by inspiring and equipping men, we can change bloodlines and positively impact our culture. You can join us on this mission and partner with us today by doing one of two things. First, go to your favorite podcast platform, whether that's YouTube videos or Apple or Spotify, Google, etc., and leave us a review. The way the algorithm works is that it really values reviews and this helps promote our stories to get them out to more people. The second way you can help is by sharing your favorite episodes with friends and family. Help us get the word out so that we can make a difference in our culture. Thank you for watching and we hope that you join us in our mission to change lives.
2: Yeah, but at the same time, like one of the things I do with my son, he wants to go on adventures, which is basically just going out into the empty fields near our neighborhood, going to the woods. I've bought him an axe. Last week, I bought him an axe, and I've got him a new pocket knife because we're trying to transition him with rites of passages into young boyhood. And I said what I'm going to start doing with you, son, is I'm going to be giving you more responsibility. But with that, you have to be able to remember the words I tell you and discern what's too dangerous and what's not. But if you're going to do something dangerous, you need to be calculated. You need to be patient. And you need to be, just remember what I tell you as far as like being responsible with that danger. Mm-hmm. Like we have to be, you can still do dangerous things, but do it carefully, right? Absolutely. Do it calculated. Absolutely. And, and man. Like I, I did that with him and like every day, Hey dad, right after school, can we go chop some wood in the woods and, you know, like go find some stuff to, to make, you know, fire and stuff like that. And so uh, I looked at my wife the other day, I was like, you know, I've got him for the rest of his life. Right. You know, cause like that's <laughs> yeah, all, all he wants to do is just hang out with dad. Right. And do yeah. dangerous stuff. And
1: well, and but, you know, yeah, those, so it's those are instincts in him. And I really wanted to, right. to press that point because a lot of people, younger people now feel that kids are born. And we shape them into boys, we shape them into girls, we shape them into choosing, whatever. Kids are born who they are. You know, I have a two-year-old grandson. It sounds just like your son. Um, anything that has a motor or moves or is loud he has to be near. I talked to my, my daughter yesterday. I said, what are you doing? She said, well, Jonathan just took um, Wally to Lowe's. I said, oh, to look at chainsaws. Oh, does he need a new chainsaw? No. Wally just wants to look at chainsaws. He just turned two. You don't teach a child that. That's the way they That are. boy's
0: going places.
1: Oh. <laughs> you know. And his dad... <laughs> let's him use a real axe now i did sort of gasp at that one i said please never let him have that in his hand without you there but but here's the point no one taught him that no one taught him to 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 want to hear motors and things it it, 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 it is what it is Now, if they'd come along and said, oh, no, 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 you know, let's go play with this doll. Good luck. He'd rip the head off the doll. You know, you really need to allow your children to be who they are and to embrace it and to nurture it. So good for you.
2: Yeah, that's uh, the reason I was able to do that was thankfully uh, one to you and to John Eldridge. You both have books that are amazing for this this topic which is yours is always boy, boys should be boys and then John's is uh, wild at heart and they're both mm-hmm. fantastic reads uh, for dads that want to help their kids do dangerous things <laughs> in a safer way, right? You know, yeah. let them run loose and teach get them. the energy out yeah. so
1: embrace yeah. it and teach them how to 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 do that well. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, the sense of adventure is um, for for either gender is such a powerful thing in a young mind, right? And to in, with your recommendation earlier, kind of learn your child right on what where theirs naturally wants to go towards, but then lead them into that and, and yeah. show them, you know, the, the brave new world and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I think in the times where where I've carved out time to go do that with my daughter, you know, she just lights up in a way that nothing else yeah. makes her do that. You know, yeah. and and it's such a powerful uh, opportunity we have as dads to, to provide that for our children. Um, we've talked a little bit about cultural, but what are some of those cultural challenges that you think, what, what, in your opinion are kind of the top ones facing men today that we need to start changing?
1: Um, I think that men really need to embrace the fact that they've got this, you know, I think a lot of men can be very successful in their job or their sport or other, Adventures, but then when they come home and it's with their kids, I see a timidity. I just don't know. I, I, you know, what if I mess it up? If you mess it up, you mess it up. It's okay, you know. And so that keeps them from engaging and being who they really their best to their kids um, is the timidity. And and you know, strong women like myself don't help. I remember trying to sort of when my husband would be talking to our daughters. And I go, no, 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 that's not how you say that. And I'd swoop in and, and sort of shift the dynamics. And you can't do that. That would just make my husband realize, okay, you know, she knows better than I. And so I think get over that and convince yourself you are wired with everything you need right this moment to be a great dad to your kid. A great, It's simple. Yeah. It Just get back to the basics, you know. And, and don't back off. You feel protective, protect them. Um, you want to yeah. them, and you feel affectionate. Hug them and touch them. I think the other big issue um, that men face and women too is screens. You know, I think I I can't tell how many times I'll look down and I'll see a dad on a screen and his kids standing right there looking at the dad. Because screens are addictive, games are addictive, you know, footballs, everything. And so you can't be present with your kid if you're looking at a screen. We all have that problem. And so to be very, very um, aware of that. So when you come home at night and it's dinner time, put your phone and your laptop in a place and don't move it for an hour put it in a lockbox. You know, it's so easy to pull out your phone and check your emails or whatever. And so I think that's a big distraction because when you're off of a screen and you're looking at your child, that's how you can be present. But you can't look and engage your child while you're on your phone. Nobody can. So I would, I would just yeah. start with those two things. Those are two biggies.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, to your first point, I think it's uh, men don't know how to lead anymore they've been taught how to not be leaders actually. Um, and I believe that we are built for it. Um, and see even that comment right there, a lot of people, like to your point, you know, people will be like, you know, they'll blacklist me now because, uh, you know, how misogynist of you and good leadership is a gift. Every, a good leader is a gift to all who are under that leader. Right. And leadership isn't barking orders at people. That's like 1% of the time that's leadership. It's mostly action and intention and it's helping others maximize their potential. And, you know, what we've been talking about, explore this sense of wonder and things like that. So that's what a good leader does. But uh, exactly. the second point about screen time, um, you know, we've heard people say a lot, like men are just weak nowadays. I actually don't think that's the case. I think men today can be just as strong or just as capable as men ever have been. I think the problem is that we live in an age of more distraction than any human being has ever lived in. Mm -hmm. And the distractions for men are even more rampant pornography, video games, football, you know, hitting the gym too much or like, there's just a million, even good things can become distractions Mm -hmm. nowadays. Mm -hmm. And to your point about honing in on and focusing, that's where intention, that's why we, why we called this the present father's podcast is because you have to make the conscious choice to pick that over something else. Mm -hmm. Um, I think all men have it within them, and so I guess that's just—I—I I wanted to make that point, and just reassure guys listening to this that every dad has been in the exact same boat as you are right today. Except there's a different set of challenges; it's a different problem set today than it was, you know, 100 years ago, and that's okay. We just have to recognize it and put put, uh, you know, intention into practice <laughs>
3: and take action. So and it, and it I, requires an unselfish. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dr. Maker.
1: I would encourage, you know, once you have the intention and you know what you need to do say, I'm going to spend less time on screens, have a plan. So how are you going to do that? Well, every day from six to seven at night, um, I'm going to put this away. Y- you have to have a plan, even if you don't, um, meet that plan or you don't, Uh, make it come to fruition, have one, because if it's just an idea, okay, tonight, I'm really going to concentrate on my kids, but, but you haven't planned to get rid of something that's a distraction, you know, don't you, don't set your, yourself up for failure.
0: Yeah. I think too often we just hope, hope is not a strategy. (laughs) You, you have to put parameters in place to, you know, if you know you're weak in an area too, that's, that's a strength right there is to identify your weaknesses, bring people around you who can help.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: and then limit distractions. Uh, Dustin, I think you had something you wanted to say, though. I think what's changed a lot in the past 20 years is there's so much... Distraction can be a bad thing, but it can also be a good thing. There's so much entertainment, so much to learn, so many exciting new avenues uh, to explore, and it requires an inherent unselfishness of fathers to spend that time with our children, with the temptation is to take that time for ourselves. And mm-hmm. it's it's so challenging with a young child I do. I have all these other things. I want to focus on my podcast. I want to play sports. I have these other things. And I have to remind myself that I owe him the time and the presence to be a good father. And I have to put aside my selfish desires to spend that time with him. And once I do, it's wonderful. And I'm glad that I did. But I think for a lot of dads, there's just too much temptation and to to go into other areas of entertainment and and not be present with our kids.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know- and
3: one of the way, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: The opportunities that men have to do so many more things than, you know, maybe 20 years ago, it's very, very hard. And I would take that one step further. It, it, you know, once you say, okay, no to golf on a Saturday afternoon, you spend it with your child. That's great. But what you really need to be prepared for is saying no to golf when you've got a 14 year old who is a pain and she doesn't like you and she doesn't want to be with you. That's when you need to really sacrifice and move in, not say, well, my daughter doesn't want to talk to me, so I'm going to go golf. You know, that's your default. It makes you feel kind of good. You justify it. But if you're not trained to sacrifice and spend time with your kids when things are good, you'll never do it when they really need it, when things are going poorly.
0: That's an amazing point there, Dr. Yeah. Maker, that you got to build it up when it's good to, to handle it in hardship. But Brandon, mm-hmm. go ahead.
2: Yeah. Sorry. I was going to say that's so beautiful because that's exactly kind of the thought process that I go through is one of the things my wife and I talk about is statistically speaking, we get 18 good years with our, each of our children. And then after that, the rest of their life, we only usually get about another full year. So you get about 19 years statistically with your kids. And so it's like, you got to make those years count because, you know, none of us are one or none of us are promised tomorrow. Yeah. So we got to be present today.
1: Well, And, and out of those, you know, it's, it's 18- so important. Yeah. Out of those 18, you're going to have a couple years that are pretty rough, you know, particularly if you have two or three kids, you're guaranteed a few year, yeah. rough years in there. So that's why you need to prep yourself to handle those rough years because you're right. And the rough years can be the real transition years for you and for your kids. Those could be the pivotal times in their lives where they go, oh, wow, my dad really loves me. Um, and so you're absolutely right. I love your podcast name, "The Present Dad." Being present—it's—it's it's yeah. hard for everybody. It doesn't feel natural, and it's not always fun, but it's something that we nope. have to practice. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it's hard work, but it's—it's it's rewarding. It's the most rewarding work we'll do. Um, just kind of a kind of a flip on the the line of discussion we're having right now. You know, we're talking to current dads right now. I think too, an, another overlooked group of, of men, young men, um, maybe the hardest situation ever for this group, you know, just teenage to early twenties men looking to be dads one day, looking to start families. I mean, I can't imagine trying to navigate those waters today, uh, compared to like what it was when we were younger. Mm -hmm. What do you think are some, some of the most important things that younger men need to do to prepare themselves for kind of being a dad in the modern age? Um, how to attract the right woman? Some of these things and things they need to to improve on themselves to, to be prepared for that.
1: Well, I I think that you know preparing for kids means preparing for a, a solid marriage and um you know to to not settle. Don't just date to date. You know I'm not big on dating, even in our twenties. You know our kids always sort of had the mindset if the person isn't marriage material, don't even Don't even go out with them. And that's how you really end up finding that that great person. I would also encourage them. It kind of sounds kind of silly, but I think it's important. Make four or five non-negotiables, write them down, character qualities that you want in a spouse and don't compromise because, you know, you're going to be physically attracted. You're going to be, you know, swept up in romantic feels and so forth. But if you know this person has to be have a strong faith, has to be this and has to be that, that weeds things out. So I would do that. The next thing that I would do is just um, you know, work on being as strong as you can be um, as a man and work on your, your your character strengths and build those up. As far as being prepared to be a father, there's no good time. You just have to jump. You know, I think a lot of men say, well, I need a good job and I need a house and I need this. Well, you're going to be 45 before you have your first kid. And you know, you've got it all in there. As I said, you, you know, you're a 25 year old man, a 22 year old man, and you think you found that perfect person or the right person and you're going to get married. You've got what it takes to be a great dad. It's going to be hard and you're going to make a lot of mistakes, but that's okay. You're going to make those mistakes in your thirties. So to, to prepare for being a dad who really understands infants You can't prepare for that. All you can do is go into it and then ask for help as you get there. But you can do it. And there's so much good in the world. You know, we talk about all the challenges and everything. There's so many wonderful things in the world to live for as a dad. And there are far more blessings in being a father than there are, um, you know, challenges or frightening things. Um, So just to really focus on that, children are always a blessing.
3: Agreed. And so for men, I have so many friends. Uh, I guess we're at that age where a divorce happens, they're single, non ideal kinds of situations. What advice do you have to those men to still see their children as a blessing when they may feel that their life doesn't feel blessed at the moment?
1: Yeah. Well, they may not be blessed. However, um, a divorced dad once the divorce happens, typically the self-esteem just plummets, just plummets. I had a gentleman tell me the other day that every single dad, uh, every divorced dad is at risk for suicide. You should always consider them because they feel like they failed. Because you're in a divorce situation does not mean you're a failure dad, period. Your kid still wants you I don't care how they act or what they say. They still want you. They still need you. And you will always be the most important man in your child's life. Always for good or ill. Every child takes one man to their grave. It's their dad. Because dad can either make your life wonderful or, or, or and, and and strong or can ruin it. If you know, he just bails on you. Um, so as a divorced dad, I would just say, first of all, Fight the belief and feeling that you're a failure. Um, You've made mistakes. We all do, but but move forward. The second is you've got to reach out and ask a, a male friend to just help you pray with you, meet with you have coffee with you because i think sometimes divorced men tend to isolate they feel ashamed um they they again they feel like their kids don't want them so they isolate and they don't want to share with anybody so you've got to reach out to another man and have a, a you know one or two men that you can really confide in and go i I'm miserable. This is horrible. Um, and then always take the high road. You know, a lot of times in a divorce situation, if there's a lot of animosity, the ex wife will be really working against you often to sabotage you take the high road, always take the high road. Don't, don't, you know, uh, criticize her back, particularly in front of the kids, but just stay in your kids' lives, stay doing what you're doing and never, ever, ever leave those kids. And I, Guarantee when they hit their late teens, early twenties, they'll be right there with you.
3: It's powerful advice. Yeah. And it's,
0: it's a real problem. I mean, yeah, half the population, right? So it's yeah.
1: a and, lot of and people those, in that boat. And those men need men, you know, they don't yeah. need women their age to come along and, um, you know, and empathize with them. They need men. And so that's where other, that's where something like, you know, your podcast can really help men. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I I would also encourage, you know, even if uh, you're not a dad uh, or you're married uh, men period, like you need to build some friends that you can go get coffee with and have some real talk. Um, I'll give a very personal anecdote. This last week, Monday was a really bad day for me. So a week ago, really rough day. I was not in a good mental state. And I met with two very close friends that I respect and trust to have deep conversation with. And within like 10 minutes of meeting them the next day for coffee, I was like, "No, oh, all my problems are gone. I feel great now. Yeah. And it was just as simple as just being like, hey, man, I'm not doing good. And they listened for like five minutes and one of them prayed for me real quick. And it was like,
1: whoa, amazing. that was
0: easy. Why Why did I wait so long? And then we spent the next several hours just talking about each other's lives. And like, I think all of us left feeling ready to to go show up and be better husbands and fathers and better at work. And, but you know, it's just... It's common sense. So regardless of your situation in life, we harp on this a lot, but brotherhood is probably one of the most overlooked things in our modern era Mm -hmm. um, that you cannot live without (laughs) as a man. It is straight up a requirement.
1: And a man can give a man something his wife can't. And correct. my husband has a couple of very close male friends that know him so well. And I leave them to their friendship because they can give him something I can't give him. And, um, it's, it's it's like that with boys, fathers give sons something a mother can't, you know, but it's okay. And, And it's good. It's meant to be that way, but we just need to face it and deal with it and not avoid it, but just embrace it. Cause they're a gift really. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We need both. And, you know, we live in a, such a polarizing age that everyone wants to be, you know, my side's better and that kind of stuff, but it takes some humility, um, you know, there's times when my daughter needs mom. I yep. just need to be humble in that. And okay, that's fine. It's okay. It doesn't mean I'm lesser. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't lesser. mean you're less important.
1: She just needs right. It's the right yeah. thing at the right yeah. time. Mom gives her something yep. and you give her something very different. And that's yep. the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And humility and vulnerability are two of the most effective tools that we will ever wield. And mm-hmm. uh, so m- I'm just hoping that through this conversation, men are encouraged by that and seek that out. Um, because it is medicine for your soul, for your relationships, for your work, for everything. So thank you, Dr. Meeker, for just incredible wisdom, incredible advice. What's upcoming for you? How can we support you? What What can the audience, where can they get plugged in with you?
1: Well, well thank you so much. You know, I've done a whole lot of my life and written a lot of books, but what I'm really feel called to do at this time is I'm beginning to do coaching for fathers through Zoom calls, group calls. Uh, individual coaching if fathers, because we really need to um, quit complaining that fathers aren't doing this. And we need to sort of say, I'm here for you. Let's go. Your kids want you. It's not as far away as you think it is. So I'm doing that. And if anybody's interested in um, coaching, just go to my website, MeekerParenting.com, Or, I mean, we could put it up on your website too. And they can get hold yeah. of me, but I'm, I'm really, we'll link really everything enjoying in that. the
0: description. Thanks. That's, that's outstanding. I'm excited to hear that. And, um, can agree more that we need more resources like that out there for men. Cause I think, you know, a lot of guys will be like, well, I want to be better. Where do I start? Exactly. Yeah. And exactly.
1: <laughs> so, and my whole point is, you know, you're, the fact that they would come and be coached shows me they're a really good dad already. Anybody listening definitely. to your podcasts, a good dad, they're trying. So let's just, yep tweak it a little bit here and tweak it a little bit here. And just like you said, in a conversation with your friends within 10 or 15 minutes, the light goes on you go, wow, why didn't I do that sooner? You know, and um, you know, men just need a lot of encouragement. I also have um, a hidden agenda there. And that is, I believe that if, if we can encourage good dads to really um, lead their families they're going to lead the other people around them and it's going to have a multiplying effect. So if you really want to change the country for good, get to a dad and they just let them go. So that that's my hope and prayer is that I can sort of start spurring some dads on, excuse me, spurring some dads on that the light goes off and then they run with it. That's when real leadership is just going to start to multiply and, and, and it's there. It's there. We, it's like, you got all the wiring. you need somebody to come along and put a, a, a spark to it and it goes and they're gone. They're off. So.
0: Yep. Couldn't agree more. I'm really excited to see what comes to fruition out of your efforts, Dr. Meeker. And uh, you know, your, your works have already played a huge part in this podcast alone uh, with the the men here. And uh, I'm sure countless other lives have benefited from your work. So thank you so much for your time and for sharing your heart with our audience uh, all the descriptions or all the links to everywhere you can meet with Dr. Meeker and, and find her books will be in the description below. So please go check them out. Dad's highly, highly, highly encourage you look into Strong Fathers or Hero uh, for two to get started with. And um, again, just thank you so much, Dr. Meeker. Any closing thoughts for the audience?
1: Um, I guess I would just say to every man out there, life is good. Have hope. And you've got this. You've got this. So don't let anybody tell you, you don't. And that's, and I, and I'm so grateful to come on your podcast. It's very, very humbling. And so, um, thank you for all the good work that you're doing as well.
0: Thank you. That means a lot to us. All right, dads, you heard it from Dr. Meeker. enough talk. Let's get climbing. We'll see you in the next episode.